Welcome. This is Crime Noir, a true crime podcast telling our stories. And I'm your host, Candace, and this is Case 10, Mass Murderer, Marcus Wesson. Today's show is brought to you by Jasmine's Nail Obsession, which is a luxury private nail studio that specializes in healthy nail care. Owner Jasmine T. is a licensed nail professional and leading nail technician in the DMV area. She provides premium nail care services for women and men. She's located in the Suitland, Maryland area. Jasmine's Nail Obsession is just minutes away from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Y'all, I recently just had my nails done with Jasmine as of Sunday, and my nails are laid. They are so cute. They're ombre with marble, different colors. I don't know if y'all know, but typically I stay with the pinks and the neutrals. She's really been um, stretching me to go out of my comfort zone, and I will continue to see her. She's bombed, very clean, very friendly. I enjoy getting my nails done with her. So she is providing listeners with a special discount. Visit jasminesnailobsession.com and type in code Crime Noir for your special discount. Keep up with Jasmine's Nail Obsession via Instagram and Facebook at Jasmine's Nail Obsession. And let's get to the show. Welcome back, y'all. We're at Case 10. Can y'all believe that? I appreciate y'all for sticking with me and just supporting me a lot on social media. I... I've gotten a lot of feedback about um, doing missing person of the day or unsolved murder of the day. And a lot of people have reached out saying they really enjoy that. So I will continue to update that as much as I can. And I'm going to just be honest, y'all. This case is probably the most gruesome case I've covered. So I'm just warning y'all ahead of time. That although this um, episode does not feature any explicit language, it does talk about violence, sexual violence against children. So this is a trigger warning for anybody that that's sensitive to. I mean, it's sensitive to me, too, but you know what I mean. So let's just get to the case, y'all. So today I'm going to be talking about Marcus Wesson. He was born on August 22nd, 1946 in Kansas. He grew up raised as a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I've never heard of that, y'all, so y'all gonna have to tell me what that is. He claimed his mother was a religious fanatic and his father abandoned him when he was a child. As a child, he then relocated to San Bernardino, California. He later dropped out of high school and then joined the army and was stationed overseas in Europe. From there, he became involved with a woman named Rosemary Solero, who was married at the time, but he was a homewrecker, so he broke up the family and caused her to split up with her husband, and then she moved Marcus in with her children. First mistake. She then gave birth to his son in 1971. During this time, Marcus developed a relationship with one of her daughters named Elizabeth, and this is where it gets really weird. He told her that God chose her to be his bride, and this is where it just completely disgust me she was eight at the time at age eight they had a fake marriage or got a fake married in 1974 marcus was 27 at the time and like i said they had it at a home ceremony 
He then graduated to sexually assaulting her when she was 12 years old. Elizabeth and Marcus got married legally when she was 15 years old. Four months after they got legally married, she was pregnant with their first child. They then went on to have 10 children together, and one of those children died as an infant. And this literally made me gag as I was reading it, because it's just so disturbing and vile and evil. But anyway, let's continue. Eventually, one of Elizabeth's younger sisters left her own seven children with him, and because she couldn't care for them, so... There was just a whole slew of kids going on. And the thing about Marcus is that he never had a steady job ever. He was a broke boy. He was on welfare at the time. So he was having all these kids with no means to take care of them, which is completely and utterly ridiculous to me. And all his older kids worked and gave him all their money. And that's how they were able to sustain, which is completely crazy to me. He was eventually convicted of welfare welfare fraud and perjury so he just had a mess going on and the family often lived in shacks and vacant homes so just what kind of quality of life is that for a whole bunch of kids it's just kind of sad he was abusive towards elizabeth but i mean who's shocked by that he was literally grooming and touching her and molesting her since she was a child so that's no shock to anybody he prevented Elizabeth from raising the kids. He was the only one who homeschooled the children, and he did such by using his own home-written Bible, which focuses on Jesus being a vampire. He stated that drinking blood was the key to never dying or immortality. So, yeah. He taught his kids that he was God and that they were supposed to refer to him as master or lord. And he taught them about the end of the days and how all of his girl children were destined to become his wives so very disturbing disgusting vile man and this isn't even you guys this is not even we're not even there yet in raising his children he did separate the girls from the boys because he was scared that there would be sexual attraction between them mind you y'all they're siblings so the boys stayed in a shack in a wooden area and the girls were on a boat separated for several months he sexually abused two daughters and three of his nieces. He married them in quotation marks at ceremonies when they were just babies at seven through nine. And all five of the girls became pregnant due to his incestuous relationships with them. They never would disclose the paternity of their um, ch children because Marcus threatened to kill them and the babies. So it's stated that he fathered up to 18 kids with seven women Five of those being his family members. So as if it does not get any worse than this, y'all, on March 12, 2004, Marcus's extended family decided to revolt against him because they wanted their children back. They wanted their children in their custody to be able to um, raise them and love on them. So Fresno police were called in because they decided to revolt against him. And what they thought was a child custody issue, a standoff then occurred. He then shot nine of them. He shot nine of them and killed them, y'all. Just like really disgusting. And I think the part that disgusts me the most is he shot each of them through the eye. Police later testified that they allegedly did not hear gunshots being fired, but other witnesses said they did. So who knows what happened? 
When Marcus did step outside after the shooting, he was covered in blood and stoic. No remorse, no nothing. Just evil, pure evil. He allegedly murdered his nine children because he thought he was Jesus and that if they got separated, that they wouldn't all go to heaven. And that's why he did it. And police also indicated that months before killing his family, he purchased um, antique caskets for them. So he also claims that they were for beds, but I, I don't buy that. I think he was just the weirdo he was. I'm going to name the victims, but I apologize in advance because I am not good with pronouncing names. So, yes. So the victims are Sabrina April Wesson. She was age 25. Elizabeth Briari Keenan Wesson, age 17. Illabel Carrie Wesson, age 8. Aviv Dominique Wesson, age 7. Jonathan St. Charles Wesson, age 7. Sedona Saloro Wesson, age 2. Marche St. Christopher Wesson, age 2. Ethan St. Laurent Wesson, age 4. And this is the one I'm really going to watch. It's Java St. Vladisferi Wesson, age one. So he killed his children, y'all. These were babies that he killed all because of his delusions. And it just truly makes me sick. During his trial, Marcus's lawyers did argue that his daughter, Sabrina, had killed everyone. And they did find the 22 caliber handgun on her body and her DNA was found on the gun. But they still found him guilty anyway. His niece, Ruby Ortez, stated that she began being molested by Marcus at the age of eight. And during her testimony, she stated that uh, Marcus told her that sexual abuse was, quote unquote, a father's way to show affection to his daughter. When Ruby did turn 13, she was also told by Marcus that she was going to marry him and he was going to have multiple wives. And that's the way God intended He also told her that God's people are becoming extinct and the only way for them to not become extinct is for them to have more children for God. As a result of this, this is how her child Aviv was born. Marcus was also a supporter of David Koresh and I don't know if you guys know who he was, but he was the leader of the Waco, Texas incident in which there was a 51-day siege and 80 of his followers died in a fire. So... That just lets you know where his mindset was and what type of stuff he was on. Also during trial, some of his daughters did testify in favor of him and claimed that their children were conceived via artificial insemination. But I can't blame them because I can't even imagine the level of stress and manipulation and abuse they face. So the wild thing is his sons testified a completely different experience than the girls. They claimed that he was the best father they could ever have, and they had very little knowledge of what the girls were going through because, you know, he kept them separate. So that is just completely wild to me that they can be not under the same roof, but in the same vicinity and have no idea what their counterparts are dealing with. So the jury declined to find that Marcus fired the fatal shots, but they still convicted him of murder anyway. And... The jury believes that he persuaded his children to do a suicide pact and that's how they all died. This personally reminds me of Jonestown where things started to get hot and the leader Jim Jones made the whole cult drink poison and kill themselves. This is exactly what 
it reminds me of. Y'all let me know what y'all think. So he was also found guilty of nine counts of first degree murder on June 7, 2005, and also found guilty on 14 counts of forcible rape and the sexual molestation of seven of his daughters and nieces. And he was sentenced to death on June 27, 2005. He's currently behind bars, I believe, in San Quentin State Prison. He was sentenced to death, but I think uh, California abolished the death penalty. So I think it was just commuted to life without parole. So as far as theories go, I really don't have any because it's pretty open and shut. But I just want to give my two cents. I find this case disgusting and it visibly made me gag and I was really uncomfortable reading about some of the crimes that he committed and I know you guys are probably squirming listening to it as well and I try to be careful with diagnosing people with mental illness as I'm not a licensed mental health professional but I definitely think there is something going on here with the delusions about Jesus being a vampire and the fountain of youth being blood um yeah being blood or whatever so oof I just feel disgusted and I feel bad for all his children, even the boys that didn't experience anything. Although I find that kind of, I I don't know how much I believe that because, you know, you always get a little inkling of something. So yeah, I'm just glad he's locked up and will never see the light of day again. And cults and mind control can be so dangerous and just really harmful to society as a whole. But That basically wraps up today's case and I hope you guys enjoyed it or at least became informed about it because I had never even heard of him. I actually stumbled across Marcus uh, while looking at another case. So that wraps up today's case and let's get into some noir news. So as I've been talking about for the last couple of episodes, um, Little Dirk and his legal troubles, he got out on bail for his attempted murder case. He was allowed to bail out because the judge believed he wasn't a flight risk due to him turning himself in and avoiding his arrest warrant. He does have a couple of stipulations. He's not allowed to be near any weapons and he has to be home from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And he has to wear an ankle monitor at all times. So I guess that's a well, I wouldn't say I guess that's definitely a win for little Dirk. And it'll definitely be interesting to see how this trial Um, shakes up especially because they don't think he's a flight risk or anything like that so that's actually pretty good sign for him and I was also digging around the internet and I saw that his legal troubles have cost him two thousand dollars excuse me two hundred thousand dollars worth of show money so oof, that's a lot of money you know what I mean but anyway I will definitely continue to update um his trial information as it comes up. My last story is very disturbing to me, y'all. 52-year-old Aubrey trial slit his own throat during his own trial. Aubrey, along with his 25-year-old girlfriend, Bailey Boswell, are accused of using Tinder to lure a 24-year-old woman named Sydney Loof to her death. They killed her within a few days of meeting her and then used a hacksaw and wire snips to dismember her and dispose of her body. His attorney um, argued that it was a consensual, consensual sex act gone wrong. Aubrey was then rushed out the courtroom on a stretcher. Both Aubrey and Bailey, are, if they're found guilty, will be eligible for the death penalty. 
Yeah, he was completely wilding. The fact that he would slit his own throat in court is just beyond disturbing. And he was saying like, oh, Bailey is innocent. And then he slit his throat. So I don't know what's going on there. I probably won't follow up on this one, but I did think it was interesting news. I want to know what y'all thought as well. So just hit me up. And that wraps up today's episode, y'all. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe to Crime Noir. Tell a friend to tell a friend about Crime Noir. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate me, please. I appreciate it. And I am taking advertising requests, case requests, and anything in between. So you could just shoot me at an email at crimenoirthepodcast at gmail.com. And you'll also know where to find me. I'm on Instagram at Crime Noir the Podcast and on Twitter at Crime X Noir. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>